Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. So here's the legal disclaimer part of this whole thing. Katie, are you a mental health professional? No, I'm not. Neither am I. So if you're struggling with any of these issues, please seek professional help and just listen to us because we're funny. Hey, I'm Katie. And I'm Summer. And this is Monsters in the Attic. A podcast where we have real conversations about everyday struggles with personality and mental health issues. We're glad you're here. Hey, Katie. Hey, Summer. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Had a pretty eventful weekend. Yeah. Tell Lots me about of fun it. to be had. Oh, you know, you know me. Just the same old things that I do every weekend, but it's always lots of fun. Lots of kayaking. Yeah. How yeah. are your monsters? Oh, I'm dealing with some monsters. Yeah. I'm definitely dealing with monsters. How are yours? They're doing all right. Yeah. They're doing all right. They're rocking, but, you know, we're keeping it in perspective. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, we have a really special guest today. Yeah. Yep. What are we talking about? Um, we're talking about substance use disorder. You know anything about it? Is that like alcoholism? Or what Correct. people would call addiction? Yes. I think so. Um, and we have a guest on, actually, who has her own podcast as well. I'm going to let her tell you more about that. Kristen Cohn. Hi. Hi. I'm Christine and I'm an alcoholic. <sighs> Hi, Christine. I knew I was going to mess your name up as soon <laughs> you know, as I you know sat what? down. Darling, I do it every time. I call you something different every you know time. What? Kirsten, Kirsten, Christine, Christy. Yeah. I think I've called you everything in the book. I answer so. to all kinds of things. Excellent. So, yeah, no, no harm, no foul. No. Um, yeah, I'm Christine. I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, I've been sober since I've had the gift of sobriety since March 14th, 2012. Um, at approximately uh, 11.30 a.m. So, yes, and I do have a, a podcast, um, Purpose Driven Sobriety, that has just been, um, I was actually working on, on guest lists and stuff before I came over here. It's been um, phenomenal. It's been um, beautiful, the, the reach that the podcast is getting for people that are still suffering from the oh. disease of addiction. That's yeah, awesome. It is awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing that. Yeah, you know what? I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. And I know I don't have to explain myself to you, Summer, but because you know what it's like to what, what happens when you just get out of the way and let in, you know, my higher power, who I choose to call God, let God do what God's going to do, right? Right. And I stay out of the way. I just watch in awe. Yeah. You know, and it's just been amazingly beautiful. Yeah. Um, blessed. I'm blessed to even just be able to participate in it. That's mm -hmm. very cool. Mm -hmm. We're glad you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, tell us a little bit about your personal experience with substance use disorder. Oh, dear. Um, well, um, gosh, it's, it's quite a story. Um, I, um, alcohol was my vice. Um, vodka, to be exact, um, it, it it absolutely. I tried to kill myself with it. 
is what happened. Um, and towards the end, it was, um, I would go into seizures whenever I would try to stop on my own. Um, and it, it became quite a thing. Um, and, you know, I, it was interesting because I didn't know, I didn't know that I was an alcoholic. My dad was a raging alcoholic when I, you know, when I was a child. Um, and of course I was never going to become that. Right. Right. Um, you know, I had the, I don't want to play light on it by no stretch, but I had the, you know, the terrible childhood, you know, was molested and, you know, all of the things that um, usually there's some type of trauma behind. Um, but I didn't know that I was an alcoholic. And it's it's the strangest thing looking back now um, because I was have burned my life down. You know, um, the family was sick of me. I was sick of me, you know, Um and so my kids had an intervention with me, which was so much fun. Um, and I went down to Austin Recovery for uh, a treatment center for um, 30, 30 some odd days. And I was sober, right? I was sober. You know, I came out of there think, for the first time, actually, I had a clear head. And I still didn't think I was an alcoholic. I thought that there there was, you know, I had some issues. I had, you know, I shouldn't be drinking as much. And, um, you know, they had suggested that I attend these certain meetings um, and do a few things to to stay clear-minded. Um, and I did. I went to some recovery meetings, and um, I, I'm, I'm a smart person. I read, you know, the information that was on the wall and, and thought, okay, well, you know, I can I can probably do that, you know. Um, it was, uh, after all, a suggestion, right? And so um, I remember I did not get um, a, a sponsor, right? And before I knew it, I was drinking mouthwash. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I still didn't know that there was a problem. And actually, I was mad at my husband for being mad at me that I was doing that. So... Um, it, there came a point in time where there was a Sam-sized bottle of Listerine that was consumed in my car. Um, so I had been driving, and um, my oldest son um, found me passed out down the street from my house um, with a, with a Sam-sized bottle, empty Sam-sized bottle of Listerine in my lap. And that was the worst day of my life. My, be, because then <laughs> it took that to to realize I might be an alcoholic. Yeah. Holy shit. Really? You know, I remember Reese my my son saying to me, "Mom, is it sad that I wished it was vodka?" And I just thought because I didn't I didn't think of that as alcohol. Which uh I was, I was going to ask you, yeah, why why Listerine? <laughs> was that associated with shame, or was it you could get your hands on it? I'll, I'll tell you, um, and it's one of those things that, again, um, I, I know, Katie, I don't know you very well. I, I know Summer pretty well, and, and I had years before when it, I thought I might have a drinking issue, you know. Um, I had gone down to see, I was going to Scott, I had Scott and White insurance, and I, w I had gone down to Scott and White, and I had, was talking with a doctor, and I, again, I, this is how it, the whole disease works. But it, but he had said, 
he said, well, you might want to come in for treatment. And of course I'm backtracking. Well, you know, I have a business and I have, you know, I have things, I have children. And, um, he said, you know, some people get so desperate. They come in here after they've been drinking mouthwash. And I just thought, how stupid that That'll is never the most be disgusting, me. ridiculous, idiotic, pathetic thing I have ever heard in my life. So this this had to have been eight, nine years before the, my situation manifested. But I, upon my enlightening at Austin Recovery, I had come home and I'd had to go to Walmart for something. And um, I was buying some shampoo or something. So I was in the travel section. Right, and they had those little baby things, little baby bottles of Listerine, and all of a sudden, that conversation just enveloped my brain. And before I knew it, I had several of those in my cart. Wow! Because I might travel, I might need it. You never know. You never know. And I remember sitting in the parking lot and and, and just kind of you know taking a little si- a sip and going, okay, well that's not kind of burns mm, alcohol. There's a lot of alcohol in mouthwash, uh, like oh, more so than like. Vodka, like a right? lot. Yeah. More than some alcohol drinks. That's what that I thought. That would be yes. like a, what I would imagine would be a really extremely dangerous amount. Like I could imagine, and I don't know the science behind it or anything, but I feel like drinking Listerine could be really dangerous for your body. It's amazing it didn't kill me. Yeah, because I've heard also that Listerine will like do calcify your liver. Like there's something in Listerine that even does further it's, damage. It's it's, it's so unbelievable. Bad. So, so that's where the whole thing came from was was remembering because I would have never. Now, since then, I've heard of people drinking um, um, straight vanilla egg, extract, which has uh, oh, I girl, please, girl, please. Yeah, when you're that desperate, um, but but again, it. Um, I still didn't think I had a problem, and it. That's the you know. I look back on that now. And I'm just thinking, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm educated in the disease. I, I, I know. But I look back on that and I'm thinking, what the freak, man? What? Seriously. But that was me. And, and I remember the look on my son's face was just, um, it was just devastating to me. And um, I planned to take my life that day. Um, I was going around the house, and I had talked to a lady um, at one of the recovery meetings, and she had had numerous years so- sober and seemed to be doing the deal. And I talked to her, um, and um, but I but I had I had gone around the house and, and got together because I mean I was med I had MedSeq too I had you know Xanax and all kinds of of different fun medications that I just intended to pump in my body until, you know, it was just over with. I had to put me out of my family's misery. I just had to. Um, and I, it, the debate is still going on whether I called her or she called me. I distinctly remember her calling me, but, um, um, and this lady called and, and the minute I got on the phone with her, she, you know, I believe it was div- divine intervention. She knew exactly what I was going to do. And she asked me if I would, I lived in, you know, uh, just a little ways out of town um, in a suburb of Waco. And she asked if I would meet her at a meeting. And I just thought, how stupid, yeah, you know, knowing it's like, what is, what is a meeting going to do? Yeah. Seriously? You know, and she was very, very persistent. And um, I agreed. And so I, I left this little ceramic dish full of pills on my countertop just to go, you know, drive into town for an hour and be done with it. And, um, and I remember driving into Waco 
And I was crying in such a way that it terrified me. I sounded like an animal. Um, I had never heard that sound come out of another human being before. And um, I just sobbed all the way into town. And I pull up to the parking lot, and she's in her car. And I pull up beside her, and she motions for me to, um, to get in the passenger seat. And... Um, I get in I get in the pasture and I'm just inconsolable. And so she puts her hand on me and she said, I'll I'll sit right here until you're able to talk to me. And I just thought, well, that's gonna take forever. That's gonna take forever because I'm shattered. And um and all of a sudden she said, I want you to ask God what he thinks about you. And I, I remember, I mean, it was, it was instantaneous, but I remember thinking, how could you possibly do that to me? I'm, I'm, I'm this low, and you want me to ask whatever this God is you're talking about, what he thinks about me? I know what I think about me. And, um, and so I, I, you know, I, I sat there, and she said, no, I want you to close your eyes. And so I closed my eyes, and she said, no, out loud. So I closed my eyes and I and I did. I said, "God, what do you think about me?" And I instantly heard three words. "You are worthy." And it was it was the most bizarre thing on the planet because I was instantly calm. I and I remember I remember opening my eyes and looking at her. And it was, it was as if she had seen a ghost. Because it turns out she had never asked anybody to do that exercise before. Never. And I didn't have a clue who God was or what, but I, I knew what I heard. And for the first time, um, I was okay. For the first time in my entire life, I was okay. And um, she said, are you ready to go upstairs and change your date? I said, let's go. And I've not put alcohol in this body since then, not so much as cough syrup, you know. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm sober and some people aren't. And it, it wrecks my soul that people still feel the way that I felt during that time. And that's why I, I became willing. I didn't even know what a podcast was before, to what, two months, two and a half months ago. I mean, I'd heard, but I'm, I'm too ADD to listen to a podcast. <laughs> um, I just am. And, and, but when I became willing, and I just thought, if this can help one person know that, A, you're not alone, you're you're not you're not unworthy. There's hope. Then I will show up and I'll just I'll just be present and and do whatever I can to help spread that message and be a hand that reaches out to to someone else. You don't have to die from this. You just don't. And um, it's it's crazy. This it's it's I wouldn't take a day of it back. Not a day of it. I mean, I did some pretty horrendous things when I was 
intoxicated. My children, um, my children should have just completely disowned me. I mean, that's, you know, but the forgiveness and the redemption and um, all of the things that have happened, you know, um, it's beautiful. And what's what's wonderful too is 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 if you were to to line up my three uh, biological children, I have five children, two bonus kids, but but my three that really lived through the addiction, um, and you if you were to ask them, would they take a day of it back? They would say no, because that might that might mean that we don't get the mom that we have right now. So we'll take it. I mean that they can see clearly that that had to happen for me to become the person that I am today, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. That's such a beautiful legacy to leave to them, too. Yeah. It really is. Mm-hmm. You weren't supposed to come here and make us all cry. I'm, I'm sorry. crying. Are you crying? <laughs> I was crying, it's a, too. It's a thing, man. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful life. It's a, it's a wretched disease, and everybody, everybody is affected by it. Everybody knows someone who has, you know, um, been affected by the disease of addiction. For sure. Everybody. For sure. You know, so it's one of those things where, gosh dang it, we got to talk about it, man. We got we to gotta pull the shame out into the light. You know, um, we got to go, we got to go back into the darkness and get those people that are still suffering, you know, and reach them, and I just, I just think it's a beautiful thing, and I'm so glad that y'all are doing this too, because you just, you just never know um, how God is going to use you, right? Um, so yeah, good you. Yeah, we were excited to do this, and we really, you know, we kind of been looking around to see if there was other, you know, podcasts about mental health issues, and they're all from expert standpoints, and so it's experts getting on talking about it, and I'm like. I don't want to hear an expert and how I can get better. I want to hear how other people have been suffering with yes. the same stuff I've suffered with. Yes. You know, and how did they get better? Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I, d- I definitely do. I was just having a discussion the other day with someone about, you know, how some of the, some, some people in, in the treatment centers, you know, have not, have not, um, which, you know, whatever. I, that's just my humble opinion. I think that it, it takes, you know, we, we, we um, in, the, in the program of recovery, we equate ourselves to the same survivors of, sh- of a same shipwreck. You know, how if it, unless you were floating in the water with us, you can't go, oh, I know how you feel. Because it's like, yeah, no, you don't because you're not wet. Your feet, you know, <laughs> your clothes are dry. I'm sopping wet with, you know, this disease. It, so it's like, a, unless you have been in the water with us, I don't want to hear, mm-hmm. I know how you feel. And so that personally happened with me at Austin Recovery. I had a very intelligent, smart, book smart, all kinds of little papers on in frames on her wall, but she had never been in addiction. And it's like, you, you know, you can't, I don't know. It, it, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Takes one to know one. It takes sh- one to know one. It sure does. <clears throat> it sure does. You it know, does. and and you know, at least with with us guys, we can see through. We can see through. Um, we know if someone is has been in the water. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. Pretty yeah. quickly. Totally. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this is one of my favorite parts of this podcast is I want to know, like, what were the, what are some unhealthy ways, like, what were some bad coping mechanisms that you used to try to beat your alcoholism? Oh, my gosh. You mean before I actually got sober? No, I mean, like, even, I'm thinking, like, even in your sobriety, even when you were sober, what have you done that's like, like, um... I, I, anytime I want to get past my insecurity, I, I go on a crazy diet. You know, like I'm insecure, so I go on a crazy diet to try to get past insecurity. So, like, what are some weird coping mechanisms that you've tried to use? Well, I can tell you early on, and, and I was talking with, with on on my show with a guest about this the other day. Um, you know, I I did not know how to live. I didn't know how to live, like literally, um, to the extent that um, the next day after God reaches me in the parking lot at 14th and Austin Avenue, and I'm back in China Spring at this house, and I'm like, okay, what now? <laughs> you know, oh shit, you took away my solution. You took away, you, you, what now? And it's like I was just, ex I was one big fat exposed raw nerve, you know. And I remember calling my sponsor, and, and I'm like, okay, what do, I, what do I do now? And she said, have you brushed your teeth? And I'm like, oh, shit, no, okay, I'll do that. She goes, go do that and call <laughs> me back. And so I, you know, brushed my teeth, and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? You know, so I would call her, God bless her, but literally, because I, I would call, and she's like, are there dishes in the dishwasher? Are there dishes in the sink? Do you have clothes that you could wash? And I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I do need to do, you know. And so it was, I didn't know how to live. I didn't. I just didn't. I mean, have you planned dinner? Have you? Um, and then my daughter had stopped by um, has one of those nights and had ha was making earrings. You know, she was taking pieces and making earrings and stuff. And I said, show me how you did that. And so I went, and of course I bought every single color of every single thing that they had to make every single piece of earring that you could possibly make in your lifetime ever. And I put it in these little containers. And that first night I stayed up and it was about four o'clock in the morning when, and, and Rick, my husband, God bless him, um, but he thought, okay, now she's going off the rails. And so that was, he confided in me actually very recently that he had called my sponsor, you know, it was like midnight that night. And he's like, she's like friggin' manic. I mean, she's, I don't know what's happening. And, you know, the sponsor lady said, leave, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Is she drinking? And he said, no. And she's acting kind of crazy. She said, Leave her alone. She doesn't know what to do with herself. And so as long as she's doing something, so to anybody listening that has an, an, a, a, you know, an addicted person that, that's now sober, that's act, acting a little manic, let them, let them spin for a while. We've got to spin until we find our direction, right? And so, I, I yeah, whatever I do, I either do it 90 to nothing, which – or I do it not at all, which I'm still, you know, 11 years later, I still have, and it bugs the crap out of me, but I've leveled out to a degree, and I've surrounded myself with people that go, stop being crazy, you know, stop, stop it, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I did things a little manically in the beginning just because I just didn't know how to live. I didn't know how to be in my own skin. 
Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I didn't know how to exist without trying to leave, you know, mentally through alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Wow. So what are your good coping mechanisms? I mean, I think I know you've mentioned yeah. program of recovery. I Tell do, us man. more about that. There is, you know, this, um, and I'll, I'll go to my grave knowing that this is a disease. This is, um, you know, where, where someone else it, and it's funny because, um, and this off on a tangent real quick, you know, even, even now, 11 years later, I can be in a restaurant and there's this cute little couple at the next table and they have glasses of wine and I can be, I can go buy it for you. If you're having a party, I can go do that. I don't have any problem being around alcohol whatsoever, but, but they'll leave like a half a glass and they'll get up and leave. And I'm just thinking you freaking quitter. What is wrong with you? Get your ass back there and finish it. What well, it just is so bizarre to me because if I had it, I would drink it until it was gone. Then I would figure out a way to drive drunk and go get more. I mean, that's just me. Um, so to answer your question, you know, um, for me, my disease is in remission. Okay. And it's only in remission because I take what I call the medicine, which is working a program of recovery. I have a sponsor. I go to, I get to go to a couple of meetings a week. You know, um, I talk with the sponsor frequently. I have the literature that I look at frequently to remind me that I'm still, I could be back there in a heartbeat in that hell of that disease if I'm not careful so as long, and, and I can tell when the disease is creeping up on me. I mean, if I haven't been around my people, you know, um, for a little bit that help keep me centered, I spin out of control. I just do, you know, and, um, but there's a solution. There is a solution. And I, and I really try to keep people around me. You know, my husband, um, there's this one lady that attends um, one of the meetings that I go to. Her name is Anna. And um, my husband had met Anna pretty early on in my sobriety because I still go to the same meeting where I, I got sober. And um, so there will be times where life does life, man, you know, and it's, it, you look up and it's been a week since you've been at a meeting. And, and so um, Rick has this thing, and I caught on to it, although I haven't, I haven't busted him. But um, he'll, go, he'll, you know, walk in and he'll be fidgeting or something, and he'll go, how's Anna? And I'm like, Anna, and he said, you know, the, the Anna that you see at the meeting, and I'm like, oh, well, I think I think she's fine. I ha- oh, I haven't seen her in a while. And it just is a little gentle, gentle reminder that you need to get your ass down to a meeting because you're crazy, you know, and that's his way of just gently prompting me, you haven't seen Anna for a while, so that means you haven't been down there, you know, and it just, yeah, it just reminds me, but, yeah, I take the medicine, I take the medicine, and it's worked for 88 years, you know, for people like me. Um, it works. Yeah. So, yeah. I like that Rick did that for you. That's a very mm-hmm. kind way to yes. – I love gentle reminders. Yeah, yeah. because if he were to walk in and say, well, maybe you might need a meeting, I would literally claw his face off. Yeah, and I would probably hide his body parts. Yeah, it's like telling the lady to calm down. Yeah, that wouldn't go over very well. But but he does have a gentle way of, of um, mm-hmm, just reminding me. He loves recovery, though. Yeah. He loves it. Loves it, loves it. And he's jealous. I mean, he's not, he's not one of us, you know. I mean, he's one of the weirdos that can drink normally and stop when he wants to, you know. But, um, but he believes in 
recovery. He has seen, of course, what it did for me. But, um, you know, he believes the 12 steps should be taught in high school. You know, I mean, it, it's one of those things. That's just a, it's, that's a, that's a, a uh, instructions for life. Truly it is. I have said that numerous times. Like, I wish that my mom would work the 12 steps. I wish there's a bunch. And my mom's not an alcoholic. I just, the 12 steps are such a useful map to yourself. Right. And how you are the biggest problem. Right. And it helps you alleviate every other problem in your life because it makes you realize you're the only problem every you have. Every other one. Yeah. Every other And I love that about the steps. Mm-hmm. I think the steps are phenomenal. I mean, they're just, you know, the they did a... Time did a special one time, like a every year they they say or every decade they do this like special on TV, and they talk about who the most influential people over the time ha- have been, and they did like a hundred year special in like I don't know maybe two thousand, and Bill Wilson really? was listed as one of them. the most influential people in the last hundred years. Okay, who is Bill Wilson? He's the man who founded Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and if yeah, and to go and read his story, I mean, he's a very, he was a very fallible, you know, um, guy. But you can look back at the divine. I mean, you you can look back at the at the origination of of Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, it's you can't deny that it's divine. You know, he, he wrote these 12 steps, and, and I can't remember the priest's name. Maybe you know it, but I, um, um, there was a priest that came to him that was a friend of his, and, and he said, where did you get these these steps, you know? And um, and he and anyway, the, the priest went on to tell him, do you know that these are, are biblical? I mean, they're, they're, and, and Bill had no idea. He had no idea. He said, I just saw this as, as what worked for me. And anyway, it's it's beautiful how it's um, how it came about. Yeah. Uh, and, and here, 88 years later, I'm I didn't kill myself. And, and that, you know, has helped me obtain the life that I have today. Right. 88 years later. That's so cool. And his wife founded a um, 12-step recovery program as well for uh, families of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. Al-Anon. I don't know if you've ever heard of Al-Anon. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. actually been to an Al-Anon meeting Good before. For so. Yeah, yeah, I did too. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> not, my, not my scene. Yeah. <laughs> I prefer to hang out with my people. <laughs> yeah, I'm the problem when I walk into an Al-Anon meeting, you know? They're like, oh, here comes that alcoholic girl because I, I know, used to right? identify as an alcoholic no, well, as well. But I got to tell you, it's beautiful because that saved Rick. I mean, the, those meetings saved him early on. I mean, it was it was staggering that you know to watch him start to take care of himself instead of trying to fix me. You know, was um, I had a problem with that, quite frankly, because if he wasn't worried about my problem, guess who had to worry about my problem? Mm-hmm. I did. You know, and I didn't like that one bit. And I remember having a huge resentment towards Al-Anon in those stupid meetings he mm. was going to. But it it really saved his sanity. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, Christine, this has been a beautiful conversation. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story with My us. My pleasure. I'm I so glad that you came on today. I will keep on telling it. Good. Showing up and making us cry. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is the first time we've cried in the studio. Oh, good. So. I'm so glad. Yeah. And we even talked about suicide one time. Yeah. And this is the first time we've cried. So, 
Well, good. congratulations. I, I take that as a compliment. It should. You should. It's, it's quite a story. Yeah, it is. It's quite a story. Well, so thanks thank for, for sharing it with me. us. Yeah, it. for sure. Thanks for sharing your monster with us. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, I love you and all your monsters. I love you and all your monsters. Signing off. Bye. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.